Yo, what up? This is a little spooky podcast about things that spook us just a little bit. Things like aliens, cryptids, conspiracies, or the thought that may cross your mind that when you're sleeping, maybe that's your true awake state. And when you're awake, it's all just a dream. My name is Everett. And I'm Colleen, and I did not expect my world we flipped so soon in this episode. You ever wonder about that? No. Maybe the true self is when you're sleeping. My true self has had and lost several sets of teeth in the last couple of weeks then. Maybe you're a hockey player in real life. Mm, maybe. There you go. There you go. Interesting. <laughs> How are you, um, my dear, sweet co-host? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm recovering. From? We spent the weekend up in Hodag country. Rhinelander, Wisconsin. Yeah. And let me tell you, nothing is scarier than the sound of a hodag creeping through the exotic forests of Rhinelander. What sound does a hodag make? You brought this on yourself. What sound does a hodag make? <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> for, for those that don't know, a hodag is the local cryptid of Rhinelander, Wisconsin. Confirmed hoax, but so fun nonetheless. Yes, it's like a it's like a Cheshire cat with saber teeth on an alligator body with claws. I don't know. We went to the hodag store. That place is rocking. I got myself a genuine hodag claw for two dollars. I want. I want to. <laughs> I want to make clear my disagreement with Colleen on her description of the hodag. Because even though it may look like a Cheshire cat in the face, it's been said that it's got a frog face with fangs. It's got like a flat face with a big mouth. That was kind of what I was going Spikes for. Spikes down the spine. Yep. That's the for sure not different variable. Yeah. Well, it was super cool to be in Rhinelander. Small town, about 7,700 people. The whole town embraces the hodag everybody's got like a hodag crossing sign there's statues of hodags if you go into the fast food restaurants they like hide hodags in the art on their walls it's uh, awesome it's like a weird where's waldo but like throughout the entire city town um, village also the, the high school football and other sports teams are the hodags too I just, it was like being transported into an alternate universe that's exactly like our universe, but hodags are real. Like, and live peacefully amongst the people of Rhinelander. Or people are like leaving offerings out to it. I don't know. But it was cool. Uh, if you're interested, definitely look it up. Uh, there is some fun stuff about the hodag, but I don't know if we would ever do an episode on the hodag unless, nah. you know, a lot of people really wanted it. Uh, but that's definitely... Homework. That's your homework, listeners. Yeah. I'll post a picture of the hodag on the Insta for you guys to see if you're curious. And Colin already did post some of our hodag merch I stuff did, yes. on the Instagram for Drink some hodag beer. It's a good time. Good time in the exotic forests of Rhinelander, those Wisconsin. Those exotic <laughs> Northwoods. What are we talking about? Okay, so usually when we when I do an episode, I try to do something different from what you did the week before. So like if you do a cryptid, I'll do like an alien or I, I argue aliens are cryptids. Well, <laughs> let's not get into that. But the point is I try, we're trying to mix it up. I want to tell a bunch of cryptid stories in a row. The well, problem True. I, I guess the last one was kind of cryptids, but it was Skinwalker Ranch. Well, There's here's where going I'm going. On. The problem is Skinwalker Ranch had fucking all of the things. That's true. It had aliens, it had cryptids, it had ghosts. I mean, like, where am I supposed to go from there to differentiate myself, right? Greek mythology? Well, uh, I mean, you're pretty far off, but also at the same time, not like too far off. Norse mythology. No, it's <laughs> mythology related. Today we are talking about the green children of Woolpit. Have you ever heard of them before? I'm willing to bet you haven't. Um, no, all that comes to mind is the creepy kids from Game of Thrones, the show. Nope, nope, not them. Okay, so this is a story that I had never heard of, but I stumbled across it recently, just like, I don't know, perusing the internet, and I went down this rabbit hole about the green children of Woolpit, and it is a fascinating story. I don't know if it's your kind of story, 
So we're going to find out what if you're is, into this or not. What is that supposed to mean? Who do you think I am? Well, okay. So I'm calling this spooky because it involves otherworldly beings. Yeah. But I don't know that you would consider it spooky. Let's call it spooky adjacent. Where is Woolpit? It is in England. Let's get let's get into it. This is an old, old story. And it's a legend that takes place in the village of Woolpit in Suffolk, England in the 12th century. I don't know if this story is like well known across the pond, but around these parts, I mean, I would say it's a relatively unknown story. And what's cool is that this story is to Woolpit kind of as the hodag is to Rhinelander. I thought we were done with the hodag. Let, can you just cool it? It is hot, though. It's fucking hot it's here. It's hard to cool it right now. Anyways, I think it's it's like this town's claim to fame, but... Okay. Small, small village, 12th century England. You're probably thinking to yourself, how accurate can a story from the 1100s really be? As accurate as the historians want it to be. Well, they are the ones that write history. I mean, yes, tr ex very true. The thing is, science and explanations for things maybe weren't as advanced as they are now, but people course, wrote yeah. shit down. Well, yeah, I, they did write stuff down. Well, I know. I mean, OK, I used to work at an antique books Quit library. Bragging. It was the best job I ever had. Super cool. Super awesome. Cool. Point is, people forever have written down and saved the most minute things that have ever occurred in their lives. And that's not just like a Facebook phenomenon. Everybody wrote shit down when they could. Of the like 5% that were literate. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay, valid point. That is a valid point. Even though this is super old, we have more information about it than you might think. And I particularly love medieval stories because back then... Anything could be real. Like, the, sp the spectrum of what people were willing to believe in feels way wider than it is now. Because now yeah. we have, you know, show me the facts before I believe Show it. me the car facts. I mean, obviously, right now in America, we're going through a uh, fact questionable we're going, period of we're, time. We're going through a period where no one knows if it's information or disinformation. Right. But... Back then, just people had such a wide variety of beliefs in things that you couldn't see. Like sure, Just because yeah. you've never seen an elf doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yeah, of course. Fairies and other mythical beings right. such as, I don't get it, mythical beings. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so before I even start with the story, uh, what do you know about elves and fairies? What do you, what, like, what, what do you know about them? Uh, like make, if, if you were going to describe a fairy, how would you a describe fairy. it? Yeah. Uh, they sprinkle their dust on you. Okay. Uh, they make you fly, like in Peter Pan. Okay. But they also desperately want your children. So they steal kids? No, they steal seed. Oh, interesting. Not the same as Tinkerbell. No, but you're envisioning a Tinkerbell themed fair like it looks like tinkerbell they're like tiny little no, winged no i mean fairies? i think that's just the pop culture thing i was trying to be stupid but i think fairies can be anything okay but like when you think of a fairy what are its traits what does it do what's it there for what's it like i think a fairy that how we interpret it now is a being that's either not of this world or an of this world but in another dimension mm -hmm. that come to steal our life force and have intercourse to make babies. That is like not a thing that I would have thought of the whole babies thing. But that's I think that's super common, like really? in the traditional beliefs, traditional like to what culture? Uh, Irish. Really? Gaelic. That's that's I don't know if that's right. Maybe we'll do a fairy episode and well, I will prove you wrong. Let's get on get into this. Okay. Did you ever believe in fairies? Just no. out of curiosity. No, 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 no. Okay. I never did. I mean, I I think I wanted to as a kid. 
like my family, as I've said a, a ton of times before, I have like a big Irish family, Irish American family. And we grew up with this folk tales of fairies and selkies. And like when I was little, we'd go for walks and my mom would point out like fairy circles or like that kind of thing. What's a fairy circle? Like a ring of mushrooms. Oh. There's other like descriptions of fairy circles, but that's what she always pointed out. Is that out. where they like enter our realm or something? Yeah. Oh. Yes. So I mean, like my mom, when we were little, I feel like she kind of she likes telling us the stories and like indulged us a little bit. But, you know, we're. But then after that, back to the cold. Truth back of to the, the cold, our truth of reality when we grew up. No, but, you know, we're a pretty science based family. So the belief in fairies and elves kind of waned as I aged. Sure. But. Where? It seems like. Belief in fairies and elves today, less and less common. But I did a little bit of research and there are people who still truly and firmly believe in elves. And they're not like outskirts people, like people on the outskirts who are like strange. That's like a common belief in places like Iceland, Norway, Ireland yeah, and Scotland. I, I, I was going to say I... I've been doing a lot of like study into Norse mythology recently, and I know fairies, elves, and trolls, and those likes are definitely something that are mainstream thoughts. Right. I don't know how, I how mean, much I, I believe in them as physical beings, but right. like, I'd have to talk, talk it'd, it'd to be, somebody from as one of those uh, countries. Right. It would be as much as someone in America believing in angels, where it's like, if you heard someone know. constantly talk about angels you'd be like a little like okay this person's crazy but at the same time if angels are just talked about in general and passing it's like oh yeah sure i don't know if you come from one of those countries and want to enlighten us yeah or from any culture that i don't know deals with fairies mm -hmm. let us know podcast at nerdsloth.com so there's many, 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 many types of elves and fairies in pretty much every kind of cultural folklore. <laughs> kind of like vampires, like the vampire episode we did. Every mm -hmm. culture has some sort of vampire-like being. It feels like every culture has some sort of fairy or elf. Right. And I guess even if they're not directly called fairy or right. elf, they, they have like Similar. Some, a, a mischief maker. Yes, exactly. Yes. Which... Is the same thing I thought, like, with the vampire thing. What is it in the human psyche that unrelated cultures would come up with the same ideas? So is it actually real? Or it could just be an explanation of things that happen that are weird. Like, or is it actually real? Do fairies cause deja vu? I don't know. We might answer that question later. Not the deja vu one. The one where is it real? Because this story takes place in England, we are focusing on the legends of fairies and elves in Britain, Ireland, Scotland, that area of the world. Hi. Today, when we think of how fairies are depicted in pop culture, you're usually thinking of Tinkerbell, like the small... Winged. Winged, um, benevolent, wish-granting fairies. Right, yeah. But that is not the case for fairies in the Middle Ages, in this area of the world. Okay. Fairies were kind of good and bad. They were self-serving, so they did whatever they wanted. Right. But not necessarily out of good intentions or out of bad intentions. They just exist. They could be mischievous, vindictive, they were seen to be fickle, and they would just as easily kill you as they would help you. Sure. And they're also seen to be very lustful, like they partake. Mm. <laughs> What's that? Well, that's what I was saying earlier. That's true. That's true. Very true. And you know what? They, there are legends of like changelings, fairies, mm -hmm. switching kids, taking kids. Right. And switching them out with monsters that look just like them. Yeah. So you're right. There's some sort of weird child snatcher vibe to fairies. Yeah. Hide your kids. People would leave offerings for fairies, like for good luck or for protection. Yeah, a nice little glass of milk. 
right. Is that that's uh, Iceland, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I forgot what the, the actual dairy thing is in Iceland. Sure. We talked about it in our Icelandic Christmas episode, but there's like that dish that's kind of like yogurt. Right. They would skier. leave that up. Yeah, skier. Yeah. I think that's right. Anyways, people would leave offerings for them, but, you know, offerings would give good luck, but also it'd keep a fairy from, you know, destroying your shit. Yeah. So if you get on the bad side of a fairy, you're doomed. I mean, they might burn your house down, kidnap your children. Take all your milk. Spoil all your milk. Mm. That'd be bad, I guess, in the Middle Ages. I don't know. Milk hurts my tummy. Essentially, humans and fairies have like a precarious relationship. Some people believed that they live right alongside us on Earth. And others believe they live in a world right next to ours. And if they wanted to take a trip to our dimension to fuck with us, then they did. Yeah. Like you could stumble across a cave or a fairy circle and end up in the fairy, in the realm. fairy realm. And you might not know it. Sure. Which I think is awesome. Anyways, those are the fairies we're going to discuss today, which I'm, I'm going to count them as spooky. Yeah, I think so. Fairies are a little bit silly. Just and that might be a little bit of our uh, influence from the media yeah. of recent decades. But but I think in the past it was like a very real scary being. Yeah. OK, so now you have the background fairies, 12th century England. Let's get into it. This story was actually written down by William of Newburgh, who was a 12th century English historian and his work is pretty valued by historians. And it covers the history of England from 1066 to 1198. So basically, the Normans invade England, and he records that and the subsequent events. Sure, yeah. He often provides glimpses into what life was like in 12th century England. And because of the beliefs at the time, his works also include contemporary stories of... Revenants, vampires, that sort of thing. Yeah. Because, like I said earlier, people were a lot more willing to believe in stuff we don't necessarily believe in today. Those sorts of things were real and maybe still are. Anyways, he says he's offering all of these like revenant, vampire, kind of like fringe belief stories in his history. Yeah. He wants to recognize them as events with historical significance, but he also questions them. Like he he fully in his histories is like, I don't actually know what happened, but this is what has been told to me by reputable sources as what happened. So he's not trying to pass it off as 100 percent fact, but he wants to make it clear this is what people actually believe in. So it could be fact. Sure. So he's. Yeah, he's making like the knowledge known that there could be possibilities that are a little more fringe, supernatural, or they just don't know the real cause of certain right. things. Sure. Right. So what I'm saying here, though, is the story was written down by a respected historian as part of a nonfiction historical account. This doesn't come out of some like fictional book of legends. It's... It was considered fact at the time. And actually, it was this story also comes from a different English history from 1220, written by an abbot at a monastery right by Woolpit. And both of them report that their information comes from, quote, a number of trustworthy sources, end quote. They don't cite their sources. You know, I didn't read the full stories from those histories like i've read excerpts of them but they may have listed sources my guess is trustworthy sources of that time were just like well liked members of local society right the butcher (laughs) so all that boring shit is over here's the story finally okay it was around harvest time in Woolpit, england during the reign of king stephen So sometime in the late summer or early fall, between 1135 to 1154. Surrounding the village of Woolpit were several wolf pits, which are what the village of Woolpit is named after. And Mm -hmm. wolf pits are exactly what you think they are. They're pits dug in the ground to 
catch wolves. Catch them or just kind of serve as like a moat, like just a boundary so they don't enter town? I think kind of both. Like it's it's not like a full on moat dug around the town, but like it's I want to say it's like traps. Yeah. But they didn't like eat them or anything. No, I think it's to protect the the town. Yeah. And the livestock. One day, a couple of villagers checking on the wolf pits and inside one of them are two weird kids, a boy and a girl, just just hanging out in one of the pits. They got they got trapped. These kids are weird for several reasons. First, Woolpit is a small village and these kids definitely did not come from Woolpit. I mean, it would be very difficult, I think, at the time as children to travel around alone. Sure. Yeah. And be completely unknown. You know, like it's not like they were recognized by their aunt who lives in that village. These are complete strangers to the village. Okay. They wore clothing that William of Newburgh describes as unfamiliar. Specifically, it was made from a material that the villagers couldn't identify. They also spoke a language that no one could understand or place. And most importantly, they had completely green skin. Reptilians. Maybe. Okay, so we got a couple of green foreigners showing up in the village. They could have easily walked from one town to the next on like one of the dirt roads. Right. But I mean, we're talking two kids with green skin who don't speak English, or at least English as it was spoken at the time. But they were perfectly camouflaged to jump from a shrub to tree. (laughs) I suppose. Either way, although everyone in the village agrees that this is weird, they're still kids. Maybe. As far as they know, they're still kids. They're green kids that no one can understand wearing weird-ass clothes. But they're kids. So they're taken to the home of Sir Richard de Calne. Of Wikes. Wicks? Is it W I C W Y K E S? Oh, I'd say Wicks. To any of our British listeners, feel free to let me know how that's pronounced. Wait, wait, before you get too far ahead, I did have one more question. So you said this material that they were wearing was like something they've never seen before, but yep. they describe like. No, there's no description of uh-huh. exactly what it was. So they I'm just... trying to picture like. A burlap sack type material or is it like shiny like no i i don't have a description i picture it in my head as like some sort of shiny space age material but it i they could, it could be anything it could just be cotton right i don't know i think like wool and linen probably were the materials of the time for that area of england right probably i mean those aren't definitely bad guesses. Wool. definitely wool well yeah I don't, know, I don't know how popular cotton was back then. Well, I don't think cotton was around yet, was it? I don't know. Point is, unfamiliar material. But the villagers take these kids to the home of Sir Richard de Calne, a wealthy man who lived in a manor six miles north of the village of Woolpit proper. So the kids are getting settled in as best as they can, and Sir Richard notices some strange stuff about them. The kids refused to... To eat anything. Well, they're, they're plants. They got a photosynthesize. Well, <laughs> no matter what they were offered, they wouldn't touch food. And it, it that would make sense. Like, if you're in a strange land. Yeah, don't take food from strangers. Right, strange people you don't trust. However, it is several days where they hadn't eaten anything. I mean, after a certain amount of time, kids got to eat. Where are they being kept during this time? Just at the manor house of okay. this nice man who decided to take them in. So they do have access to sunlight. Yes, they do. Okay. They mentioned, though, it's not, they didn't refuse food because they didn't trust the man, Sir Richard. It's more of they seemed like they didn't recognize any of the food that was being offered to them as being edible at all. Mm -hmm. Like they were offered bread and they were like, why would you eat this filth? What is this? Okay. Obviously, there was a language barrier. So, that's just the impression Sir Richard got when just, he was just a foreign food that disgusts them or like just weirds them out. Right. However, one day they are offered broad beans, which are fava beans, and they ate those bad boys. No problem. Oh, fairies like beans. Yeah. 
over time, in order to survive, obviously they had to start being accustomed to more than just beans. <laughs> but they were really into that sort of like plant food. And then over time, they started being introduced to more and more foods and their skin lost its green color. So, I mean, presumably it was whatever their diet was that made them green. Right, like a flamingo. Yeah. And that's actually not that weird because I remember my mom telling me the story of when she had my oldest sister and she would only eat um, carrots. carrots and she turned orange. Yeah. So, I mean, not totally out of the realm of possibility, I suppose. After some time, the boy and the girl learned to speak English and the girl was finally able to explain where they came from. She told Sir Richard that they came from a land where the sun never shone and the light was always dim like twilight. And she said that everything in the land was green from the plants to the people to the houses. Everything. Animals. Weird. She mentions that they are a Christian people. Oh. <laughs> and they have churches. And from their land, they could see like a luminous country in the distance, separated from them by a big river. She called this place St. Martin's Land, and she said they have no idea how they got to Woolpit. Now, the two historians that I mentioned earlier, they both had slightly different accounts of what the girl said. Okay. But they essentially say the same thing. The kids were herding their father's cattle in St. Martin's Land when they heard the sound of bells ringing. They either followed the sound of those bells into a cave and eventually found themselves at the bottom of that wolf pit, or they heard the bells and then were instantly transported into that wolf pit and, like, we're dazed and like, where the fuck are we? Hmm. So commonalities, they hear bells, they wind up in the pit. They green. They green. Do you think the green cows made green milk? I mean, they said everything was green. If they're turning green because of their diet, sure, why not? Hmm. But it, this kind of reminds me of what I was saying earlier as like fairy circles being portals to the fairy land, different dimension. You could find yourself walking through a cave into the fairy dimension and not even knowing it, or in their case, from the fairy dimension into Earth. Sure. How how would they even be able to see anything if everything was the same green? Like I'm, I, I'm. I mean, there's still like. I mean, I'm sure there's shadow shades and of mass and, and stuff. stuff. Just be very hard to, and there's no lights either. So they found themselves in the wolf pit. They were dazed by how bright the sun was, and then they were found and taken to Sir Richard, etc., etc. They were eventually baptized, and shortly after this, the boy died. He just got really sickly and died. The girl, however, stayed on as a servant in Sir Richard's household for years, but she had the reputation of being the class mattress. Oh, really? Yeah, she was, like, very impudent, super lustful. Eventually, she ends up taking the name Agnes, and she marries a man in the town 40 miles away. Hmm. So that's the gist of the story. Because I started this episode with information about fairies, I already laid the groundwork for the popular belief that the kids are fairies. Sure. And this was common belief at the time. Like, people believed this, and here are the reasons. One. They come from an alternate world with no sun. That's fucky. And that could be fairy dimension, fairy world, that sort of thing. Two, they were green. Who the fuck else is green? Fairies. Leprechauns. Yeah, what's the name of the guy that's like the beans, the peas? What? The beans guy? The guy on the cans of beans? Uh, Jolly Green Giant? Yeah, that guy. <laughs> He's a fairy, right? Oh, but he's a kaiju, for sure. Sure, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, they mysteriously appeared outside the village. Or one second they were somewhere else, one second they were here. Who knows? They only ate beans. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> well, they ate more than beans afterwards, right? Right, but at first they only ate beans. And we all know that fairies are vegetarians, right? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like fairies will 
dabble in the consumption of human flesh occasionally. Yeah, there are probably legends of fairies who will, you know, eat people. Eat people. Another point. The boy died after being baptized. I thought they were Christian. Yes, that is strange. <laughs> that is very strange. So there's a lot of different legends about fairies, but uh, in a lot of them, if you catch a fairy, they die. Like oh, they yeah, wither away true. and they yep. die. So maybe in that sense, like the baptism was like assimilating them into their personal. That's why didn't culture. Agnes die? That I don't know. But it's kind of like Selkies. Like even if a Selkie falls in love with you, it doesn't matter what. They always want to return to the sea. So the way to keep a Selkie is to hide its seal skin. But if it finds its seal skin, it doesn't matter how much it loves you. That bad boy's going back to the sea. So that's how it is with fairies. Like, I assume he was baptized. And then maybe in that way, it was kind of considered like a... Jesus trapped him on earth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> trapped by the it. Lord. So, okay. Hold on. And then there's one more. The girl was a loose woman. <laughs> which is obvious proof of fairies. Of course. Also, which? How... If if that is true, if the, the fairy explanation for these kids are true, mm-hmm. how did Jesus convert people in the fairy realm? You know, you make it. Well, I mean, Jesus performed many miracles. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. It's just very odd. Like if it's if it is another dimension or even if it's just another world that's like neighboring us. How did all those Peters and Pauls and such get over to the fairies. Maybe there's another dimensional Jesus with similar beliefs. But green. But green. Yeah, I guess. So there's plenty of possible explanations for this story. The consensus is that it did actually happen if, to an extent. I mean, I yeah, if, if two separate historians do have a record of two kids being found that couldn't be accounted for. I believe those kids were there for sure. Okay. Well, the first explanation we already went through fairies. Mm-hmm. Second explanation, folktale told for entertainment. There are a few stories where people have walked through a cave and into another world. So it's like kind of a popular motif, but like, that's weird to me. Like, where would that have come from? Like, it's just looks like another world in a cave. So like, I, no, I, I think it's mainly the thought that if you enter a cave, it it, it does act like a window to another realm because yeah. a, like a cave itself is just very mysterious. Like you don't know what's going to be inside. Right. I just mean, what is it that makes people think they're entering a completely new world? And when they exit the cave, they're not on Earth anymore. I, don't, I just think you, it's an interesting you story. Ever, you ever go to the movies? And then you come out of the theater after the movie and everything looks different. Yeah. Because the lighting changed. All the time. (laughs) I think it's that. Some people suggest that because the children in the story were green, they were considered sinless fairies in Celtic mythology because green is often um, associated with like purity. Mm -hmm. And because the girl married a man from a different village, she was like, sullying herself by marrying a sinful child of earth and for being loose yeah exactly there's another popular folktale called the babes in the wood you ever heard that one charlotte comes in and spins the web no (laughs) there are two kids in the story they're poisoned with arsenic by their uncle and abandoned in the woods they wander around possibly fall into the pits where they're then fall found Uh And the arsenic, I guess, could be an explanation for why their skin might have looked kind of green. Really? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they meant green as in they looked sick. Maybe, yeah. So there's that one. That lame, stupid explanation that isn't nearly as fun as fairies. Third explanation. Aliens. Aliens. You knew I was going to say it. Little green men. Yep. However, I'm. we're not the only ones that have jumped to this conclusion. In 1621, a man named Robert Burton suggested that these two green children fell from the heavens. I mean, but really, though, it is kind of the same thing as fairies. It's just uh, an intruder from another realm, whether it be a parallel like dimension or just from outer space. Right. 
And I guess at the time, I mean, even in 1621, I suppose you could kind of envision outer space as another dimension. Sure. As recently as 1996, an astronomer named Duncan Lunin. That's a fake name. <laughs> wrote that he thinks that the kids were transported to Woolpit on accident by a matter transmitter malfunction. I have no idea where he got that. Is that what made them green? I don't know. It's pretty groovy, though. He suggests that the reason the world that the kids came from is always in a state of twilight is because the planet they're from is in synchronous orbit with the sun. Sure. So one side faces the sun and is like unbearably, unlivably hot. And the other side never gets any sunlight. So it's freezing Ooh. unlivably cold but there is like a strip of potentially of livable area sure. where there'd be like some sunlight yeah so it's like the moon where it's in a locked orbit with earth so we only ever see the same side of the moon right he also says that the green color of their skin might have come from eating genetically modified plants from that planet so I mean, why would they have to be gmos <laughs> No, I don't know where this guy came up with any of this information. It's like he had the idea they were aliens and then tried to fit the facts into the idea of aliens as much as possible. I, I just think that last part is so unnecessary because it's like if their diet was only plant life. Why not just be regular plants from that yeah, planet? Why, why do they have to be? Well, maybe they have to be genetically modified, modified because they were living in like a fairly uninhabitable area and had to modify the life there in order to survive. I don't know. See, now I'm turning into him. I'm just trying to, like, fit the facts into his story. Right. I So, okay, I know the, that the records of these kids are kind of slim, especially after Agnes's, like, mm -hmm. marriage or whatever. Yeah. I want to know what she had to say about, like, her origin. What did, what did she say where she came from? That's the store, St. Martin's Land. Right, but, like, more than that. So we don't. I know. I know we don't know. I'm just saying. I wish there was more record. Yes. No. I completely agree with you. Hundred percent. Here's a question: If everything in the whole land, Saint Martin's Land, was green, right? Yeah. But there was no sun. How'd things get green? It's a good point. Don't you need some chlorophyll for that shit to do photosynthesis with sunlight? So, okay, so the description said the sun never shone. It was always like a perpetual twilight. But, right, so there is a light. Yeah, but I mean, not... No, I, I know, so definitely no sun, so it wouldn't be photosynthesis as the way we know it. True. But maybe they just grew like fungi, but they were just green fungi. Perhaps. Anyways, the idea of aliens is, to me, essentially... The same, the same as, as fairies. I mean, I don't, they're not the same thing, but the idea is the same. Otherworldly right. being showing up in this tiny village. Right. Personal, this is going to be the only time you hear me say it, but I think I prefer the idea of fairies to aliens, personally. It's a little more fitting. It's more fitting. It's like, I don't know, I like the idea of a world on top of this world that you could just stumble in and out of without ever knowing it. I don't know. Some cool shit. Okay, so now we're going to get into the boring, most likely, theories. During the 12th century, there were a lot of Flemish immigrants in eastern England. And there was a village called Fornham St. Martin. Mm -hmm. St. Martin's Land. Mm -hmm. And that was a little bit to the north where a settlement of Flemish people were living. Their parents, the parents of these kids, might have died in some conflict and the kids fled the village and wandered into these wolf pits they might have had green skin due to being flemish that's the color of the <laughs> yes because of the flemishness they might have had some sort of dietary deficiency which i mean is possible considering they were only eating vegans at the time yeah but what what would make you green i can definitely understand like turning white from like lack of iron or something mm -hmm. but like what would possibly make some normal human green? Well, and that is the great mystery because there are a lot of illnesses where I suppose you could consider skin tone to be 
kind of greenish looking. Well, maybe maybe they were just from Greece and these people have never seen an olive-skinned person before. Okay, well, they're described as vibrantly green. So I'm going to guess that's that ain't it. Mm. So there's a hole in this Flemish children's story. And then, yeah, they fell into it. Oh, God. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sir Richard <laughs> would have been able to recognize Flemish language. It was like a common mm. language, especially known among like wealthy people of the time. Sure, yeah. Plus, if they were from a nearby area, I am guessing that the material of their clothing would be similar to villages around the area. Yeah, it wouldn't be unidentifiable. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, what would they? What were they wearing? What does that mean? One historian says they might just be random kids from a different village that got lost herding sheep, and they had chlorosis, which is a type of iron deficiency. And I read that this deficiency can give your skin a greenish tinge, but again, not in the way that the historians describe the children. The children are described as vibrantly green, almost as if they were dyed green. And chlorosis kind of gives you a yellow, gray, sickly kind of skin tone. Hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I, it's a it's an explanation, but yeah. it doesn't quite fit the facts as written by the two historians. Finally, this story could be an allegory for the conflict that was going on at the time. The kids themselves could represent the native people of the area, the native Welsh, Irish, Scots, Britons, who were resisting being anglicized by the Normans, who had basically just invaded. Right. And the boy dying might represent the people who refused to be assimilated, who would rather die than become under Norman rule. And the girl is recognized as the rest who, like, integrated themselves, but were always slightly different. Hmm. I I do like that explanation, but at the same time, the normal people are the invaders. Seems kind of odd. Obviously, it seems that this tale is probably fiction or a garbled version of true events, which I think is probably the case. There probably were some weird kids that showed up in this town and things, facts spiraled out of control. But there is absolutely no way to determine what is and is not true. Right. It's lost to time. Right. Both historians who covered this story mentioned that they have doubts, but they both clearly thought that this was significant enough to write in their historical accounts of the day. Hmm. And those stories have persisted until today. Like, this is a 800-year-old story. Crazy. So there's not enough evidence to prove the theory any theory even the logical ones there's right. holes in the theory about flemish children there's holes in the story there's holes in the story so it's it's interesting to me that a lot of the theories the details seem to match up to fairy legend of the time and maybe that was a way to just like explain bizarre shit that was happening at the time but also maybe fairies are real the end yeah I, I do like the idea of it being like an allegory for the political situation of the time. It, it does make a lot of sense. Yeah, but fuck that. Fairies, though. Fairies are real. Fairies could be real. This could. OK. But that so, doesn't mean these two are fairies. Yeah, but they are, though. Oh, OK. The thing is, here's my problem with this story. It's not like our normal little spooky, but it's just such a fascinating story. That is definitely something I had never heard of in the slightest so I, it was very interesting because how else would i have ever heard of this before yeah and you know what you know what's a little spooky there might be fairies fucking right next to you you don't know check the fridge make sure the milk's there yeah and make sure it's not curdled i hear they're into curdling that shit then protect your kids protect your lower abdomen area too yeah <laughs> anyways that's the green children of wool pit um today Dear listeners, we have a listener story, so I'm going to read it here, but before I do that, if you have your own story you would like to send to us, whether it be personal or something you come across, definitely send it over to us and we can read it on the podcast. 
I'm just going to do the quick plug right here. Send it to Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or at NerdSlothHQ. And what's the email, Colleen? Podcast at NerdSloth.com. Okay. Right, a little spooky in the subject line. Yeah. So this story comes from our dear listener, Black Rain, who has actually sent us a couple stories in the past as well. It was January of 2019, and it was one of the few times I got to sleep at night as I worked at night during the week, so I would sleep during the day. It was early in the morning. I felt something jump up on the bed. Now, I do have to say, I did feel like I was still half asleep or in a dreamlike state, but something was walking on the bed like a small animal, a cat, or a small dog. I was laying on my back when I felt it walk up my left side, and I reached out and grabbed for it and sat up in bed. What I saw looked like a hairless cat-like animal with very oversized ears, almost like a goblin or a gremlin. It did have little tufts of hair that sprouted from its back, but other than that, it was completely hairless. Yuck, dude. When I had, or when I grabbed it, I had done so blindly trying to surprise it, and I had grabbed it by the lower jaw and had my hand in its mouth. I could feel the two lower canine teeth poking into the palm of my hand as I held onto its lower jaw. It tried to pull free, but never bit down on my hand. We struggled for less than a minute, and the strange thing was that I was looking at it, and I could see it, but it would blink out or go invisible at random moments, and its pointy teeth were in my hand as I was trying to pull away. It would blink back, and I could see it again. So it seems so like he it could was going feel it, in, but not see it. Yeah, it would like come in and out of his vision. Interesting. So then after 30 seconds of this, I fully awake or come out of this trance that I was in, and then it blinks out for good, leaving me sitting up in bed with my arm outstretched in the same position it had been in when my hand was in the hold of the creature. Now, I have to say, I have never experienced this before, sitting up in bed while sleeping. Now, this is the first time in my knowledge that I've ever done something like this, so I'm not sure if it was a dream or not. When I looked at my hand, I did have a little red pin prick on my palm that I could still feel the pain of the pointy teeth sticking into my hand, so I don't know what could have actually caused it or if it was a dream. Now, later that week on Friday, I was getting ready to go to bed going the daytime. I had this strange thought come to me. Out loud, I said, To the creature that I grabbed a few days ago, I didn't mean you any harm. If you mean me no harm, you're welcome to stay. Then I think for a few seconds, and I also said this, Good night, Shadow Cat. As I was laying down to sleep, I felt something nuzzle my left hand like an animal trying to work their snout under your arm. This happened three more times, and it was also my left hand, which was the one that the animal grabbed at before. For the next two years, I would say, Good night, Shadow Cat, and often feel something walking or moving on the bed as I was about to go to sleep. I never would see anything if I looked for it. Most of the time, I would have a peaceful... Drifting off to sleep. You got rats, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he did follow up too and said the shadow cat was about two feet long from head to backside. Oh, God, New York rats. Its uh, tail would add another one and a half feet to its size. It was big, bigger than a normal house cat, probably about the size of a medium sized dog or a bobcat. Uh, cool thing too is he actually sent a sketch. Ah, of this let me thing. see it. Okay, it looks like a freaking goblin. Yeah, and I, I saw the uh, sketch that he sent before I was able to even read the story, and the first thing that came to mind was Gremlins from the yeah. movie Gremlins, yes. uh, which he did mention too. So we're going to post this uh, sketch on our social media as well. Yeah, this is some labyrinth shit. It's cool. Yeah, it is. I, I You've never seen the labyrinth, have you? Still no, and I love David Bowie, and I love weird puppetry, but I still haven't seen it for whatever reason. So it's it's weird, because like that whole movie is kind of like a dream state, and that's what I was thinking the whole time you were reading this story. Like a weird-ass puppet gremlin biting this guy's hand. Now, he does recognize that he may have been dreaming, or like in a trance-like state. Yeah. It's weird that it would continue to show up. And that it recognized that right. he called it the shadow cat. Right. Yeah. And he did specifically say that he never saw it again, but he could feel its presence. Like he could feel it nuzzling against him and walking on his bed. Um, yeah, dude, I would assume that you got like a raccoon or something. Could be a ghost cat. And that's actually, 
Are ghost cats a thing? Yeah, I was just going to say that's actually a super common tradition in the southern United States. What? Ghost cats. But like, why would he envision such an ugly one? <laughs> okay, a little bit unrelated, but one of the legendary, and I forget its name, but there's a legendary ghost cat in one of the southern states that basically just looks like a cat, but it has a completely human face. Ugh. So that is uglier. <laughs> okay, true. Yes. that So that is an interesting story. And if it is a shadow cat, that's pretty badass. If it is some sort of weird rodent you have in your house, <laughs> that is even spookier, to be honest. You have been nuzzling up I'm, to a weird, I'm gonna disregard, hairless record. I'm going to disregard that hypothesis because he didn't see anything after that first encounter. So if it was like a rat or some kind of rodent infestation... Every time he felt something That's on true. his bed, there, would be, there was nothing there. Yeah, there and there would be signs. Yeah, like, be, I mean, there'd be broken shit and, and shit. feces. Yeah. yeah. I think it's interesting that he saw two like pinpricks on his palm. Now, mm. if this thing truly was bigger than a house cat, wouldn't it have been like bigger wounds? But again, he said oh. it never actually bit down. Right. And also, like, it's the size of a medium sized dog. Like, that's not that big. Interesting. I, I think ghost cat. I think that. You know what? I like the idea of ghost cat. Also, be get tested for rabies, please. This, this was a long time ago, too, though. Okay, he well, said, if you don't have rabies yet. Okay, you're probably fine. I like it. I and, do, too. And we're Thank you, Black Rain. And we're posting uh, Black Rain sketch. So take a look. Yeah, actually, it's a pretty cool sketch. Yeah. So if you have your own story, send it over to us. And next week. I will be bringing the news to you, the good news. This was kind of a um a, a, a chill episode after our intense Skinwalker a, episodes. A, a palate cleanser. Yeah, palate cleanser. So now, next week, I'm going to get back into the nitty gritty. Yeah. Except it's not going to be a two-parter, though. So. Right. Come back next week. Uh, send us your stories. And fairies are real. Okay, we love you. Bye. We love you. Bye. Presented by NerdSloth, a place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.